Hi guys, I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here recording Lost in the Woods. And there's footsteps upstairs. So we're recording with everybody home again. Anyway, I'm going to lose my ever-loving mind because we are home recording with the children home, which, as we know from past experience, does not go very well. No. No. It never goes well, but here we are again. So, how's everyone doing out there? We had an exciting week. We did. Yep. So, Maddie and I went skydiving. We did. It's true. It was amazing. I want to go again so bad. And we were the first two people out of the plane. I was the very first one. We were like, wait, what? (laughs) He was like, okay, so the solo jumper is going to go, and then me and you are going to go. And I was like... And we were sitting right by the door, too, like the clear door that you can just see the ground out of. But it was my second time, Maddie's first time. Yep. It was amazing. It was awesome. We would do it every day if we could. I literally would. I would if do it. If I had endless amounts of money to spend. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because skydiving's expensive. It's so expensive. But yeah, so that was fun. Also, I hiked the enchantments this week. Which is a 20-mile through hike. I did it in one day. Madison's looking at my toes right now because my two big toenails are purple purple and they're going to fall off, I'm pretty sure. So if you're going to hike 20 miles in one day, I've done that before. But this particular hike is really 6,500 feet of elevation gain. The descent is crazy. It's like eight straight miles of just steep downhill and that's what did my toes in for sure but yeah it was amazing it looked amazing i don't know i wasn't there i was at work madison was working i started at 4 a.m in the dark saw a ton of glacial it was dark at 4 a.m yeah oh yeah are you sure it was pitch black at 4 a.m why wouldn't it be dark at 4 a.m the sun the sunrise is at like 5 20 it starts to get light around like 4 it was dark at 4 a.m did you not see the picture I posted of us leaving? That was at 4 a.m. That was actually at 4.15 by the time we started hiking. It was dark, dude. It starts to get light. Okay, so apparently Madison doesn't know that it's dark at 4 a.m. No. Figure that one not out. Not during the summer. <laughs> it's not, no. Anyway, so that was super fun. Super hard, but super fun. I bet. Yeah, I almost threw up coming down because I was in so much pain. <laughs> so today... We're doing our episode on Cody Roman Dial, which I don't know if any of you have heard about him. It's probably a slightly more well-known case than some yeah, that we've done. I feel like it's a decently well-known one, at least. I mean. Yeah. In this one, it's about Cody Roman Dial, but you will hear us referring to him as Roman throughout the episode. Yes, his family liked him being called Roman. And it all started on a backpacking trip that he did with his dad when somebody asked him his name. He said that his name was Roman too, just like his dad. And the family started calling him Roman too after that. It's his middle name, so. But yeah. So, Cody Roman Dial was born on February 22nd, 1987 in Fairbanks, Alaska. Going back to Alaska again. Back to Alaska. 
I really do want to kind of go to Alaska. So he enjoyed pack rafting in whitewater, reading and research, recreation and gaming. He liked that Dungeons and Dragons game. He was quite the adventurer though. He liked scuba diving, skate skiing. What is skate skiing? Skiing with skates. You think that skiing with skates on is a thing? No, it, <laughs> I would imagine... From it being skate skiing, I would imagine like more like speed skating, but I don't think they call it skate skiing. No, they wouldn't. Um, He also enjoyed rock climbing and he was also a hugger. For all you huggers out there. Couldn't be me. Nope, not me either. (laughs) Me and Maddie aren't really huggers. (laughs) Roman was actually six years old when he decided he wanted to be called Roman and started introducing himself as such. Mm Mm-hmm which I think is really cute, and he wanted to be like his dad. So it was around this time, so age six, that his dad took him on his first backpacking trek across Umnak Island. So this was in the Alaskan Aleutians, which was about a 60-mile hike across this island. And he took his six-year-old on this? Yeah. So really what his father said is that he was trying to initiate a lifetime of shared wilderness adventures with his son. I'm going to call his dad Dial because his name is also Roman. Yeah. Does that help? Okay. I think that'll work. His father, Dial, has a PhD in biology from Stanford. He's a professor at the Alaska Pacific University, and he is an established adventurer. So very well known for the adventures that he's gone on. So he had done a ton of climbing in Alaska. He was known as the father of pack rafting. Um, which is a mode of river travel using inflatable kayaks that you can also pack on your back. That's right? pretty cool. I know. I kind of want to try it. So by his teen years, Roman was an accomplished adventurer. And by the time he was 25, he was a published biologist. At the age of 27, Roman was working on his master's thesis and he was working on small omnivorous ocean crustacean. He had encountered issues with his data and grew frustrated With his project legging, he decided to take some time off to travel. His plan was to make his way to Central America, where he had hiked extensively as a youth. So over months, he had sent messages about monarch butterflies in Mexico, white whale sharks in the Caribbean, Mayan ruins, climbing volcanoes and hot springs in Guatemala, canyons in Honduras. Uh, He was also bitten by a wild dog and had emailed his dad concerned about getting rabies. So during his travels, he'd been in constant contact with family and friends, Mm -hmm. right? In April, he decided to hike El Petén. He emailed his dad an outdate of April 18th. So basically an outdate would be if I went on an adventure and I said, Madison, my outdate is going to be the 3rd of July. And if I didn't come out by the 3rd of July, you would initiate search and rescue because something's wrong, right? Yeah. Okay. He picked his way through the jungle following jeep tracks. He camped along the tracks the first night, and in the morning he actually encountered a wild pig crashing through the jungle. Not long after, he saw a cougar coming down the trail. After the jeep tracks ended, he began following thin trails through the jungle and soon became lost. On the third day, he backtracked following blazes that he had hacked into trees. He found his way to the Mayan ruins. There he encountered a man named Carlos, who was an archaeologist and thought that Roman was crazy for navigating with only a compass. No, a little bit. Maybe a little bit. But that was what he preferred. He 
like to use his compass and his navigating skills rather than a GPS or something yeah. like that. And after five days, he found his way out of the jungle. So on April 16th, he emailed his father saying, 200 kilometers in Guatemala's wildest jungle, only lost for two days. I'll write you more later. Have to find accommodations and wash gear. So this was a constant thing he did. He would email his family a outdate and then he would inform them when he actually made it out. Like, yeah. hey, all is good. I'm safe. I made it. That kind of thing. On June 6th, 2014, Roman had emailed his dad saying, I've spent the last week trying to figure out how to do the Darien Gap. It started to give me bad dreams. Yeah, so the Darien Gap is one of the most dangerous places on Earth, basically. So no big deal. No big deal. Just really Yeah, that's fine. On July 3, Roman crossed the border from Nicaragua into Costa Rica. On July 6, 2014, he arrived in San Jose, Costa Rica. On July 8th, he headed out for an eight-hour bus ride to the Osa Peninsula. So his destination was the Corcovado National Park. Later that day, he checked into a budget hostel called The Corner. On July 9, he emailed his mother and father two separate emails, the first one at 9.02 a.m., saying he was in Porto Humanas, picking up food to head to Corcovado. He outlined his intended route through Corcovado. A couple of hours later, he sent a new course... This stated that he planned to start at the park's eastern perimeter near the river called Rio David, then follow that to Rio Claro, which led to the Pacific shore. From there, he merely had to walk to any village along the coast to catch a bus back. The second link that he sent, or the second email, so it was all through this same link. Him and his dad had been talking about maps and stuff. And the the second link was labeled the best map yet or found the best map yet something like that so fun fact it's actually illegal to travel in this jungle without a guide cool mm-hmm. Love that. yeah so the law had gone into effect in february 2014 only five months before his hike his family though was under the impression that he planned to do it anyway without a guide And I think part of that, too, is he did have a very extensive skill set and had done a ton of this type of hiking and backpacking on his own or with his dad. So he had a ton of experience. So he wrote, I'll be bound by the trail to the west and the coast everywhere else. So it should be difficult for me to get lost forever. He planned to be gone for five days. At 9.26, he sent the second email outlining his new plan along with the map. So after he withdrew 50,000 colonies... Which is about $95 in American. Yeah, he withdrew this from the ATM that was near the hostel. And then he went across the street and bought five days worth of food, which was about $25. Pretty good price, I'd say. So he then cooked dinner in his hostel kitchen. He laid out all of his gear, which is something I always do when I go backpacking. Um, anyone who's seen anything that I've ever posted on Instagram for a longer trip, I always lay everything out. I have a checklist. I go through everything and then I repack it. I just put it all in my bag. Madison just kind of shoves it all in there <laughs> and hopes for the best. Especially when we were in Europe. I was Dude, just shoving she doesn't, shit in my bag. She doesn't even have stuff sacks for all of her stuff. She just like throws it all in there half Hazardly, I cannot handle it. It's the worst. It all feels the same once it's all on my back. And she probably still hasn't unpacked from the last time we went backpacking. 
No, I did because I hung my backpack up, and if I have stuff in it, it tears down the hook that it hangs on. <laughs> so I have to empty it. If it's on my floor ever, then, which it was on my floor for a couple weeks before mm-hmm. I unpacked it. I was tired of kicking it, though. Perfect. I also have to unpack right away, by the way. I do not. Okay, so he had three bags at this point. So he had a yellow bag that he'd had for a long time, mm-hmm. right? He had a Mexican backpack that he had gotten in Mexico and used when he was hiking around in there. And then he had a new backpack. The new backpack is the one that he would be taking on his five-day trip. He had cooking gear. He had food. He had a tarp, mosquito net, clothes, a machete, a map, and a compass. So on July 10, 2014, now, this is the day that he's leaving, he set out for his hike. He paid for his hostel, and he also reserved a bed for the way back. So he would go in, do his hike, and then he would come back out and stay at the same hostel again. He left his Mexican backpack along with his yellow one in storage at the hostel, which we did that when we were in Europe. So before we started our hike for the Tour du Mont Blanc, we stored our bags for Paris at the hostel that we started at so that we could pick them up on our way back. Mm -hmm. Because we had additional luggage that we would be using in Paris afterwards. So this is a common thing that people do, is checking their bags at hostels. Because I didn't need to carry around my normal clothing. Right. So around noon is when he headed into the jungle. So Corcovado is a 160 square mile park on Costa Rica's Pacific coast and is known to be dangerous for solo hikers. Okay, so the dangers that make this area so dangerous <laughs> would be flash floods, dungy fever, cliffs hidden by foliage, widowmakers. Right, and if you don't know what widowmakers are, it's it's like a tree. Why is it dangerous? Because the root system can be really close to the ground, and with as much rain and flooding as the jungle gets, it makes it, them really weak, and they can just kind of fall over. Cool. And I think a widowmaker can be any type of tree. It's just a type of tree that's likely to fall over, I think. Venomous snakes, dehydration, starvation, falls, falling just in general, I guess. Murder. Illegal gold miners. Which is probably who's murdering you. Cocaine traffickers. Yep. There's also like this little palm viper that hangs from bushes about eye level and it likes to bite people in the face. Cool. Yeah, I like it. No, thank you. I don't like that. I mean, if you're going to get a snake bite somewhere, you might as well get it in your face, right? Why would you want it in your face? I don't know. I feel like I'd rather have it almost anywhere besides my face. (laughs) So after completing his five-day hike in Corcovado, he was supposed to head to Panama and then home to Alaska for graduate school. He was kind of nearing the end of his journey, this, this traveling time that he decided to take. So the day that Roman entered Corcovado, his father was on summer break from university at the time. So he was on a pack rafting trip with several friends. So on July 15, five days after Roman started his trip, his father returned home and his wife Peggy and him spent the next three days dip netting for salmon. Cody's second email that he had sent with the revisions in it went unnoticed at this time. Because remember, it's kind of buried in this thread of emails that they have going back Mm -hmm. and forth. By the time they return on July 18, Roman had been in the jungle for eight days. 
He was usually in contact every 10 days or so, so they were not yet alarmed. Because remember, they don't have his new agenda that says he's only going to be there for five days. Yeah. So when his dad notices the second email and realizes that he was supposed to be back already, he labeled his out day as July 15th. Which was about 10 days ago. So now he's 10 days past his out date that he emailed his dad, which immediately caused concern. He notified the American embassy on July 23rd. So he also emailed the police in Costa Rica along with the Corcovado National Park. Yeah, within 24 hours, he was on a plane to Costa Rica. Yeah, and I can relate to that panic or that fear. I mean, when you are in constant contact with somebody who's in the jungle, they give you a date that they're supposed to be out, and then all of a sudden you realize they're past you by 10 days. I mean, that's got to be terrifying. So when he got to Costa Rica, he was told that his son had been seen with a drug dealer, and they asked him if his son did drugs, which he did not. But I think that's a pretty common thing, I would assume, to ask. Witnesses had seen him with a drug dealer. Interesting. So Dial decides to go off on his own and search. He went hostel to hostel trying to find where his son had stayed, which took him only about an hour and a half. And when he got there, the owner said that the police had not been there. So he's the first one to find the hostel, right? His dad was actually able to see his handwriting in the register at the hostel. The owner of the hostel led him to the storage room where the backpacks were. And his dad actually took a picture of the yellow backpack at the time. And you can actually see the strap for the Mexican backpack in that photo. But he didn't know it belonged to his son. So he never looked in that backpack. He never did anything with that backpack. He left it there because he thought it belonged to another backpacker. So frustrating. Why didn't the owner tell him? I don't know. Maybe he just didn't. I don't know. Because when we put our bags in storage, they made us label them. But Yeah, we did have to label our bags. But he might not have even looked at the label because what reason would he have to look at it if it was labeled? Exactly. So Roman's phone had been stolen in Mexico on his 27th birthday, actually, which makes me kind of sad. He wasn't really using it for much at the time, but he had it under his dirty laundry in his tent and somebody did steal it. So unfortunate. tracking him in any way with his phone is not going to happen at this point. The next day, the Costa Rican Red Cross dispatched two search and rescue teams, one at the entrance of the park on the eastern perimeter and the other at where Roman planned to exit. Right, so the idea was that they might be able to find him in the middle somewhere, right? They start, one starts at one end, one starts at the other, and maybe they'll just kind of run across him. But remember, he was not planning on hiking popular trails. He was planning on staying off the grid and away from touristy areas. So this was definitely going to be more difficult. Yep, make it more difficult for sure. It's not like a lot of the trails that we have here where there's like one way in and one way out. There's tons of additional side trails through here. So another thing or another obstacle that they faced was the jungle canopy was so dense that aerial searching was useless. Yeah. So not going to do them any good. Heat searching is not going to do them any good because there's so much in the jungle there's so many animals there's wild pigs there's uh, i mean it would just not be feasible to find him that way 
So with Roman avoiding the main hiking trails, this caused a lot of issue for the search teams because of all the difficult terrain that that forced them into. Right. So that's going to slow them down. That's going to make it harder for them to effectively search this area that they think he might be in. The owner of the hostel where he had been staying said that he checked in on July 7th. She said that he returned on July 21st and caught a bus the next morning to Dos Brazos, a small town on the southeast edge of the park. Residents there also reported seeing a gringo backpacker matching his description. This made authorities think that maybe he did make his way back out of the park and then ventured off on some other adventure without contacting his family. Which would put a slowdown on the... Well, a lot less urgency, right? I mean, if they're thinking, okay, this kid decided to take off, this kid decided to go party, he decided to go do something and just didn't contact his family, right? I mean, it's a little bit like the Theo Hayes case where... A lot of authorities thought maybe he's just off partying. Maybe he just took off. Maybe he just didn't feel like he needed to contact you guys to tell you what his plans were. There were also rumors of him being in the company of a known criminal. So this is that drug dealer that we talked about earlier. So this drug dealer had said that Roman hired him as a guide and that they spent two nights hiking and then parted ways. But I don't really under that doesn't even make sense. Why would you hire a guy just for two days if you were planning on hiking five? Also, his dad is adamant that he would not have hired a guide, even if it was required by law. Yeah. Which I totally agree. Based on what I've read about him, based on everything I've heard about him, he does not seem like the type to hire a guide at all. Right. So local stories were very conflicting. There were reports of him being in two different places at the same time, him wearing an earring which he did not, him smoking marijuana, which he did not. So we've got a bunch of tips and a bunch of reports saying that he has been out and about doing all of these things, but they all just call him the gringo backpacker. I mean, this could be a different hiker that they're seeing all together. Yeah. But on July 30th, Dial finally got his first credible lead. Yeah, and this one's kind of... Interesting. So a gold miner named Jenkins, he reported that he encountered somebody resembling Roman's description deep inside the park several weeks before. The young man had been making breakfast on a stove by the stream and he introduced himself as a biologist from Alaska. Roman had asked for directions. He had mentioned a forest that was adjacent to Corcovado. Jenkins said that he seemed a little confused about his directions at the time. He directed him to a trail that would lead him into town. So told him which way to go. They parted ways. This lead seemed very credible to Roman's dad. He talked to this guy. He thought this guy seemed credible. The fact that Roman had introduced himself as a biologist, no other witnesses had been able to give that account. So that that seemed very credible to him. Jenkins actually went with Dial to the location where he had last seen Roman, which, by the way, was illegal. So not far from the stream, Dial did discover a massive landslide. It had recently slid down the south side of the canyon. It had destroyed part of the trail. It was very wet. It was slippery, snake-infested area. 
And his father wondered had he tried to go around this landslide and maybe become disoriented or slipped into the gully. So on August 2nd, the Red Cross announced that they would soon be calling off the search. There would have been no sign of Roman or any of his equipment, and the team had spent 12 days combing the park. Back in Anchorage, news of Roman's disappearance spread quickly. Organizers of the Alaskan Mountain Wilderness Classic, which began on August 3rd, donated the $200 entrance fee into funds for the family search efforts. So after the Red Cross called off its search, Dial began working the back channels to get the military involved with no luck. He became frustrated and on August 11th, he tracked down the coordinates that a psychic had given him. So he hired a pilot to fly him to the location. Yeah, and this location was near a ranger station along the route that he would have hiked. But after searching, they found nothing. Yeah. And I think taking the plane there was just a matter of time. Like, Dial feels like he's running out of time at this point and just wants to find his son, and hiking to that location would have taken too long. So days later, he received a call from the Defense Department that they lacked the legal authority to mount a search and rescue operation in Costa Rica. So the Calvary is not coming. He got in touch with contacts back home, and he felt that his son was stuck somewhere and he had to get him out. That urgency, like, it actually makes my stomach hurt thinking about that urgency and that fear that he must be feeling at this point. I can't even imagine, because at this point, he's thinking, if he's hurt, if something happened, I could still save him. Yeah. If he's just lost, I could still save him. But with every day that ticks by, that chance becomes more and more of an impossibility. So an Anchorage-based survival company called LTR, which stands for Learn to Return, so it's basically they teach survival skills, they agreed to send a team to Corcovado, free of charge. Within hours, a three-man team was collecting gear, like climbing rope, ascenders, matches, radios, and trauma kits. Within 24 hours, they were on a plane to Costa Rica, which that's just amazing. I feel like Alaska is just coming together to help this family. Yeah. So two other Alaskans also joined the efforts. Yep. So at this point, Dial's busy trying to get search permits because Costa Rica is basically telling him, you cannot go back in to search. They know that he's been going in there illegally searching. They know that he's going in without a paid guide. They're like, you cannot go back in there. We will arrest you if you go back in. So he's actually trying to file for legitimate permits for him and this team to go in and search. But I'm pretty sure he's going to do it whether he gets the permit or not. Yeah. It's funny. They actually had an emergency code word just in case they didn't get a permit. And it was Warren Zivon, which meant send lawyers guns and money. Like to say that over the radio if you got caught. So on August 21st, the group went down to the area that... Roman had last been seen by the river. Yeah, so this is where Jenkins had seen him by the river. Yes. This is where they're planning on searching. And they had singled out a specific square mile that they really wanted to search around this area. Mm -hmm. So while they're in the jungle searching, they also, around afternoon time, started experiencing a torrential downpour on a regular basis. Dial basically just tried to follow the footsteps of where he thought Roman might have gone. Right? So if I was him, like trying to get into his mind, 
if I was him, I would go this way or I would go that way or I would do this. Yeah. Right? Meanwhile, the team focused on the landslide area itself. By the end of this search, though, he really started to wonder if Roman could even still be alive. It had now been 45 days. That's a long time. Ugh, that's so long. He started to worry for the safety of the team. There had been a few close calls since they'd been out there. One searcher had slid down the side of a ridge and crashed through trees before a vine arrested his fall. There had been some close calls with snakes and 130-foot Ree almost fell on the team while their camp was set up. So this... They're in their tent, there's kind of a storm, and this giant tree goes whooshing by. Yeah, because of all the rain that they had been experiencing. Yep, yep. And this is really common in the jungle because of how much rain it gets. Yeah. So there was another area, though, that he wanted to search before they left, and it was an area where he had seen vultures circling. I can't. I literally can't. Oh, God. They found nothing, though. They even searched tunnels that had been reported to have foul smells in them. Uh-huh. After five days, they packed up camp and they headed back. This is also when Dial started to consider, could his son not even be in the jungle? Yeah. Right? So he turned the possibilities over and over and over in his mind. Like, could his son have been murdered? Had he decided to disappear? I mean, I think that your mind just starts to play with... Yeah. I mean, you think about every possibility. I honestly, I cannot even imagine being in his position. If you were missing for this amount of time, what my mind would possibly be coming up with that could have happened. He just didn't think that his son was dead or injured in the jungle. Right. I think at this point, he's like, we would have found him. Somebody would have found him, his gear, something. Which we we see that a lot. We saw that with the Sam Sayers case. We've seen it with a lot where when... People just disappear. Right. But when when a parent especially cannot find that person or they cannot be found, they're like, there's no way. They would have been found by now. But we know that's not true. We know that there are forests and jungles that are so dense that it can be impossible or take long periods of time to actually find which is just crazy to me it's crazy i know that people can just disappear off the base of the freaking planet it's terrifying so in the last decade dozens of tourists have disappeared or been murdered in this area yeah there was actually another american hiker named david who and i i do not know how to pronounce his last name but he was a 28 year old doctoral student who was from chicago and in 2009 he traveled into the park alone and disappeared yeah so there are other people who have gone into this jungle and never, never come out yeah so on september 4th 2014 roman's mom and dad had set out to hike the planned route that he had taken Right, so this is about seven weeks after he went missing. His mom and dad are like, let's start where he was supposed to start and end where he was supposed to end and just see what happens. Let's just do this hike. Yeah. Which I would need to do the same thing, I think, for sure. They hiked the route from start to finish, and I think it was about halfway through where they decided there's no way he came this way. There's no way he made it this far. This is crazy. And they actually had a guide that took them through for this hike. Mm -hmm. Because 
there were points where his dad was so turned around and so lost that he couldn't imagine Roman coming through that area and being able to keep his bearings, right? So I think this just confirmed for them both that he had not hiked through, come out of the jungle, and disappeared. Yeah, now they think that he is in that jungle still. Well, I think that this is when the foul play theory really started to play in their minds. Mm -hmm. They started thinking somebody had done something to him. If he had made it out of the jungle, something had happened to him, or somebody had killed him in the jungle for his gear or for whatever he had or because he stumbled across something illegal. I mean, they really didn't know at this point. But investigators had also told them that they found out their son had been abducted by miners and was murdered. They told him that his son had been dismembered and fed to sharks. And they received this story from a drug dealer. Reliable. Right? So I think, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of with the parents on this one. There's no way I would believe something like that without proof. Yeah. Around the same time, they had made up a flyer of all the gear they knew that he had. And they had offered a $5,000 reward for it. Yeah, and I think the idea behind this was if somebody has seen his gear or maybe it would prompt people to look for his gear and they wanted the reward to be small enough where it would arouse interest but not create false leads. And that's also why they didn't offer a reward for him initially because that hiker that we talked about before, David, his family had offered a big reward for him to be found And that had created so many false leads and so much false hope that it actually muddied the investigation a lot. And so locals had actually advised them not to offer a big reward for anything for Roman. Yeah. So Dial did hire a private investigator to dig for new information. Right. So by now they're sure that he didn't disappear to start a new life because they really do feel that he would have contacted friends or family or someone. And they're also relatively sure that he was not kidnapped for ransom because they feel like by this point, somebody would have contacted them. Yeah. This route of hiring the private investigator though went nowhere. They got no new additional leads or information from this. So the family actually did agree to take part in a reality show about this ordeal, which is a mini series that aired, I think, on National Geographic. I think it's something like six episodes. I did not watch it. And part of the reason for that is I actually read the book that the father wrote. But so they agreed to this mini series thinking maybe something would come of it. Maybe it would help revive the search or something. They were informed that the embassy had possession of Roman's Mexican backpack and that they had actually had it for months. Right, and so remember, this was the backpack that was at the hostel that Roman's dad didn't realize belonged to him. Yeah. Wasn't it? It was because the hostel got taken over by new people, new owners. Right, so a new owner took over the hostel, like bought it, took it over, and then they are the ones that turned it into the embassy. So the backpack basically just sat there. For a really long time until new owners came in. So the backpack contained his sleeping bag, a blue Kelly tent, jet boil, 
A jet boil. A jet boil. So that's yeah, like a cooking like a stove. Cold weather clothing, his belt, empty wallet, blue jeans, flip-flops, new socks. Still in the bag, actually. A puffy Patagonia pullover, notebooks, and some other miscellaneous things. Right, and the interesting thing about this is, if you remember that flyer that they made, half of these items were on that flyer because they had no idea that he had lightened his load Mm -hmm. and taken a different backpack on this particular hike. But this brought up an interesting thought to him as well is what stove did Jenkins see him using if his jet boil was in his backpack? Maybe he had another stove. Maybe he brought a smaller, maybe he bought a smaller one. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because a lot of the searching that they did, a lot of everything kind of hinged on Jenkins and maybe eyewitness his, account. Maybe his eyewitness account had absolutely nothing to do with anything. Maybe it was irrelevant. Maybe it was a different person. Or maybe he had a different stove. But either way, disheartening, I'm sure, to find out that the embassy had possession of this backpack all yeah. along. So in March of 2016, they made a flyer offering a reward of $50,000 for Roman's remains. Right. So this was initiated really because they had come to believe that he had been murdered. They thought they knew who did it. And they were hoping that this would entice the drug dealer to give up where his body is. Roman was. Yeah. Or somebody that was involved in the situation to give up where Roman was. Yeah. On May 19th, 2016, they received a call from the U.S. Embassy. Remains had been discovered with camping equipment. Yeah, so this is inside the park. Yeah. So this is inside the park that Roman had gone missing. And this is two years later. Two years, you guys. A gold miner had actually discovered the remains, and they were about a five-hour walk from where Roman had last been seen. Five hours. That's it. That's like less than a day hike. This was also just before the final episode was to be released. Of that documentary that we talked about earlier. Yep. So pictures of the belongings were sent to his parents and they immediately recognized Roman's things. There was no doubt for them and immediately headed to Costa Rica. His dad had realized that he had walked the rim of the valley where his son was found. Multiple times. He had walked the rim and then he had camped, what, half a mile from there? Yeah. Which just shows you how dense this jungle is. Right, and how easy it can be to get lost and how hard it can be to find things. So DNA later did confirm that they were the remains of Roman Dial. There was no sign of damage on his bones, no signs of bullets, so... They're thinking that maybe it was like a snake bite or something along those lines. Yeah, they had found fertilenses in the area, and they tend to stay in the same area their entire lives. I think that's a type of deadly snake, and I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it or not. We're sorry about a pronunciation I'm so here. sorry. There's not a lot of options, right? Yeah. There doesn't seem to be damage. It looks like he had been in the process of setting up camp or setting up camp when whatever happened did happen. Um, Could a tree have fallen on him? Remember, his dad almost was hit by a fallen tree while in his tent. Was there a tree over his body? There there were downed trees in the area. So he was right near a freshwater stream. Mm -hmm. So everything had kind of been washed down 
So a little bit. So we don't know exactly where he was, but one of the theories is that it was a tree. And also his stove at the site was like bent and damaged, but it had also been two years. Right, but it had like a, a a dent and a kink in it where it looked like it had actually been hit by something with force. Okay. Also, it kind of, this kind of takes away foul play theory kind of for me. Well, I think for, for many it does, right? So I think in his dad's mind, this was an accident. More than likely a fallen tree. So that's kind of the working theory that he goes with. Also, his money and his passport were still there. They were in the bag. So if this was foul play, yeah. there's no way that somebody would have left his money for sure. I wouldn't think. So I think I'm going to side with the whole fallen tree thought process or maybe yeah. even the snake thought process. Like a poisonous snake? Yeah. He definitely did have at least one shoe on when he died. So I think that he was in the process of setting up his camp, maybe getting ready to make himself some food, something like that. And that's when whatever happened, happened. Because he's not sleeping. You know, he's not in his tent sleeping. He's still wearing his shoes. So, And then also, like, I don't think it's foul play because his money and stuff was all there. Right. And I don't know where his money was. It, It said it was in the top of his backpack. So did somebody not find it? Did he have something else on him that was taken? Did he come across something? Did he see something? Did somebody kill him just to prevent him from... Saying anything? Right. I mean, I I can't say with 100% certainty. Yeah. But I'm with you. I kind of side with the dad. Like, I think that this was was a more natural death. Yeah, I think maybe it was an accident, a fallen tree, a snake bite, something that happened out in nature. His dad actually admits now that when his son died, he felt so much grief that it made him rethink his adventures. He said that if we die on these trips, the people who love us are the ones who hurt the most. So basically, he said it made him really think about all of these risks that he had taken throughout his life. And if he died, he's dead. That's it, right? But what does that leave behind? The pain and the suffering that that would leave behind for his family, he never really considered that, I don't think, up until this point. And I I can sympathize with him a lot on, on this. He wrote this book, you guys. It's called The Adventurer's Son by Roman Dial. Because remember, they have the same name. It is such a good book. Once I started reading it, I couldn't put it down. And I know Madison is kind of looking at me like, oh yeah, she wrote another book, you guys. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm not a reader. I don't know if anyone's picked up on that, but it's not my thing. Maddie's not a reader. But when I started this book, I literally could not put it down. And I think that part of that is I can understand where he's coming from on some of this. Obviously, I'm not an adventurer to the extreme that he was, but he did teach his son to be an adventurer. He taught his son to love adventure and to love nature and to do these things. And I've literally done the same thing with my children, right? So in my mind, I've never thought about Maddie going off on her own adventure and something potentially happening to her because she's my daughter. So in my mind, I'm always there to protect her. And I I haven't really considered the consequences of that, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, makes sense to me. (laughs) So, I mean, I can really, I don't know, if you guys have a second and you're a reader like me, unlike Maddie. Yeah, not like me. Not like Maddie. I would definitely recommend reading this book, especially if you, I mean, the love, uh, their relationship, all of it is just amazing. I definitely, he did a really good job. He's a very good writer. And it was really, I mean, it's really crazy. All of the things that they did as a family, all of the things that he did with his son, I'm a fan. From what I read, not of the book, but... Of what uh, notes I took from reading the book? (laughs) His dad did everything. Everything. It's so sad. Well, and I can't say that I would have done anything differently. I think that his dad did everything that he possibly could and did everything right as well. And, you know, even, even some of his regret that he speaks of in the book for teaching his son and would he do it differently... I, I can totally understand all of that. I mean, I really do because I can't imagine raising my kids any differently. However, if something did happen and knowing that that happened, would that change the way that I felt? I mean, I don't know. But yeah, pretty crazy story. Yeah, pretty crazy case. But let us know what you think, of course. Yes. Yeah, and I've heard if you watch the National Geographic thing, which we didn't watch it, but I've heard if you watch that, then... You tend to think a little more foul play because that's the route that yeah. they went oh, when I initially. Fir- when I first found this case, I for sure thought that we were going to be dealing with a foul play. Well, and I, I think that's what we both initially thought. And then as I started reading more about it, I was like, well, this doesn't seem right. I was like, this doesn't seem like the drug cartel and I didn't watch the National Geographic because it's not free. We would have had to pay for it. Two ninety nine an episode. What the heck? I think that the dad, and maybe I'm wrong. If you're listening, let me know. But I think that the dad wrote the book to correct his version of the story. Yeah. Right? So- and I feel like I, I would take what he says more than what I would take from the documentary. But yeah, if you're not interested in reading, I mean that that could be interesting. And it looked probably, very it looked very dramatic. You'll probably hear a lot about the crime that happens in that area. But <laughs> and there is crime in that area. I mean, there yeah, is don't yeah. There there is some credence to that, and so I I think that that's why they played off of that for the drama effect probably. Uh, yeah, for the drama effect for sure. But I did read it. There was a good, uh, I think it was Men's Journal article on this episode and uh, a lot of my information did come from the book. So yeah, I mean, there's lots of information out there. It's hard to find original information because a lot of it is remains found and then regurgitating the story. So as we've seen before, facts can get very distorted i think originally we read that his backpack was found oh oh. outside of himself like they found his backpack at the hostel so foul play had to be involved because he made it out of the jungle and then disappeared that's exactly what Mm -hmm. that's exactly what i read at first too was that his backpack which they were talking about the Mexican backpack that was at the hostel. Yep. And, and then they, there's talk about his backpack being turned uh, into the embassy, which also implies more of a foul play yeah. type situation. So you, it is hard to find original information. You really have to dig to get to the original story and the actual facts. Uh, but yeah, let us know what you guys think. If you guys have any other varying opinions on it. Yeah, I would love to hear it. 
I kind of want to dig into the other missing person to David. I think he's still missing. The other American who mm-hmm. went missing. But yeah, thanks for listening. Yes. Come back next week. Come Give back us a next review. Week. Post us on our oh, yeah. story. You guys, leave us more reviews. And thank you so much. We got two new reviews this week and they were nice. We love you guys. You guys are amazing. Thank you for sharing us on your stories too. Also, we'll post something this week. But one of our, our amazing listeners made us something. And we will... Uh, yes. <laughs> our <laughs> mugs. We will post it for you. Thanks, Kendra. But yeah, so thank you. We really do appreciate you guys. And also, we're still open to feedback. Feel free to message us anything. We prefer private messages if you're going to give us negative feedback about something. I'm sorry, I'm not an English major. (laughs) My bad. I barely graduated high school. have you guys noticed? Somebody's not saying like as much. Because she hits me every time I say it. I do. But... (laughs) We did realize after being told that, that it is something that we could work on. So we've been working on it. We're all about improving and getting better. So yeah, thanks for listening and have an amazing day. Till next week. Till next week. Bye guys. We'll keep you posted on whether or not my toenails have fallen off yet. Gross. People really want to hear about that? No. They look kind of scary. It's so bad, you guys. They look really scary. They're like very purple. I'm scared. They're like black almost. I'd call it purple. I think green is my favorite color. I'm a little too indecisive to like pick a favorite color, but I've been gravitating towards green. How would green be your favorite color? That's such a strange favorite color. I like green. I don't know. I'm just, it appeals to me. I mean, you do spend a lot of time in the woods, so I guess it kind of makes sense. I do, but, like, I don't really, like, if I think about colors, like, I can't really be, like, oh, I have, like, oh, blue is my favorite color. Like, I really like blue. Like, it's, I feel like it's more what I, like, gravitate towards, and it's been green a lot lately. I don't, there's not really any colors that I gravitate towards. Is that, is there something wrong with me? I mean, I really like black and white and gray. Color doesn't really appeal to me very much. I feel no. like there's something wrong with me. I don't name things. Neither do I, though. Yeah, you're that's not, not normal. You're not helping. You're just pointing out more things that are wrong with me. Yeah, it's fine. But I also don't like, use baby talk when I talk to animals. When me and Jordan were hiking, there was this goat, and he was stretching out and, like, gnawing on something and just kind of chilling. And Jordan was like, look at you, beautiful. Like, she was just like... I definitely do that. She was, she was, like, baby talking to it, and I was like... I was like, Jordan, I don't love the baby talk. And she's like, what? I'm like, that's how you talk to your dog, isn't it? And she's like, yeah. (laughs) I can't do the baby talk. I do. I never talked baby talk to you. Never have I talked baby talk to any of my children. I am not a baby talker. I talk baby talk to animals, though. I do not talk baby talk to animals. Like to dogs. Not really cats, but dogs. I don't really do it to babies. I do it to dogs. I don't do it to anything, though. Is there something wrong with me? Um, yeah. Probably. What? What's wrong with me? I don't know. You don't like color. I don't dislike color. I just have no specific gravitation towards any particular color. So if you guys look at my wardrobe and my gear, everything, basically. I mean, we're in the... She judges me. She literally 
is like, do you need to have that many colored carabiners on your backpack? She has like 12 different colored carabiners on her there backpack. There are even 12 and it's different not colors. Even, it's not even the carabiners though. It's not even the color. It's the noise. Madison's like this rattling like mess of noise when she's hiking. She yeah. puts her cup on the outside. Oh, I attach, metal. I Well, I, I'm just a mess. So I'll just attach things Ooh, randomly. My camping cup is purple, but that's only because I couldn't find silver or black. Um, my camping cup is also purple. I, I would like a, a black. I want a green one. I want a black one. Or a gray or a silver. I would do any of those colors. I don't know. I've liked green lately. Hmm. It's just what I've been gravita- gravitating towards. So the reason my camp cup is purple is because it's ultra light and the only colors they had was purple and orange. orange. So me and Maddie have purple and then all the kids... Have orange. Have orange because except we don't want to share cups really with them. Really bad at washing out my cup, so I haven't been able to use my purple cup on a couple hikes. And your cup, by the way, has like, like the paint peeled off on it on the inside because of something that you left in there, dude. Probably. <sighs> Gross, Madison. I washed your cup though; it's clean now. Thank you. So, is it weird that I don't like color and that yes. I don't do baby talk? And I guess naming your car is really normal. I've never named Which an I, object. I don't name objects either. A lot of people do. Jordan's car has a name, I think. Jordan's car always has a name. We're weird, I guess. Anyway, that was fun. Cliffs hidden by foliage. 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 Cliffs hidden by foliages. By what? You messed what up. What the fuck's the word, Mom? Cliffs hidden by foliage. Cliffs hidden by foliage. Foliage. Cliffs hidden by foliages. No, what foliage. the fuck? How do you say it? How do you say it? Foliage. Foliage. Cliffs hidden by foliage. No. <laughs> what is it again? Fired. Madison's fired. What is it again? Foliage. Foliage. Yes. Foliage. 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 Cliffs hidden by foliage. That was, that's about as close as you're going to get. Continue. Cliffs hidden by foliage. Foliage. Cliffs hidden by foliage. <laughs> Just leave it. Just leave it. <laughs> you pick which one's the best. Yeah. Maybe put me having trouble with foliage. <laughs> foliage? 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 Cliffs hidden by foliage. No. I don't know what you just said, but that was not the same word. <laughs> okay. 